Um, welcome to uh, the second cabinet meeting um, in, uh, in a week. Um, the last one, as you know, was exclusively around the local plan. Tonight is about uh, other business. Um, for those of you listening in, we're in Folks Hall in Great Dunmo. Um, unfortunately, we only have one member of the public with us, but he is most welcome. Um, so uh, we'll start with apologies for absence and declaration of interest. Councillor Riles has sent his apologies. Um, Councillor Barker. Chairman, if I could declare an interest as an Essex County Councillor, declare a personal interest in item 13B, the uh, pub in High Roading, because I do drink there occasionally, and I'll declare a prejudicial interest in items 14 and 15, because those are directly within my cabinet portfolio at Essex, and I will leave the room for those items and not pay part. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the minutes of the meeting held uh, last week um, are clearly not available, uh, so we'll take those uh, at the next meeting when we'll have two sets of minutes. Um, so that takes me on to questions or statements from non-executive um, members of the council um, and I think we'll probably take you here Mr Woodcock if you'd like to speak now you'll need to come up and talk to, talk to a mic Thank you kindly. My goodness me, I would have had difficulty driving. Um, uh, 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 Mr Chairman, Cabinet members and parish councillors present, I'm Ray Woodcock, an active member of Stansted Mount Fidget. I get involved with a variety of issues in our village. The new parish council hub on Crafton Green, which received full planning approval a few years ago, started to be constructed about 12 months ago. It is a much needed new facility. Our existing parish council and meeting room is just not fit for purpose and people who are less able find it difficult and others impossible to gain access to the office. It has no lift, the stairs are narrow and steep, etc. The new facility will be compliant with modern access and safety standards. Frankly, I was not in favour of the design of this building and said so prior to approval, but accept it now that it has full approval. Construction work stopped about 10 months ago and rumours soon started to circulate in the village as to the reason. It is now clear that an error has been made by possibly the parish council or their advisers or others. Hence, this issue is on the agenda. The third party could have informed the parish council um, of the reserve rights. Sadly, it did not until the old library had been demolished and construction of the hub started, as you can see from the photographs, um, started to a very, very low level. It seems to me that the third party holder of the reserve rights could have accepted that an error was made and found a better way of resolving this issue, but it's now going to cost the community in the region of £200,000. 
The third party gain, certainly the community's loss. I wonder what the £200,000 could have provided for the benefit of the community, but that is something we will never know. With reluctance, I hope that you approve the recommendation on the document prepared by District Council Ranger dated the 10th of July 2017, so that construction of our hub can start again without delay. Maybe the third party might consider returning this money to UDC for the benefit of the Stansted Mount Fidget community. I leave that with the, um, with the third party. One final point, Mr Chairman. I hope that all have learned much from this matter. Um, I understand it's costing us about £1,000 a week at the moment. Um, thank you for your attention. Thank you very much, uh, Mr Woodcock. And this is item 15 on our agenda, so um, Councillor Ranger will be addressing that matter. Um, but the money is actually won't be. It's not UDC money, it's Section 106 money, but he'll pick all of that up um, in due course. <coughs> Did you intend to stay for the whole meeting? Because we could bring that f item forward, if, if that would be helpful. I would like to. Stay for the whole meeting? Uh, yes. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Well, we'll, leave it, we'll leave it where it is then. Okay. So item uh, four is matter to refer to the executive, which there aren't any. Item five is reports from governance, audit and performance and scrutiny committees. We have the chair of scrutiny here. I don't know if there's any scrutiny matter you wish to raise, Councillor Dean. Not a great deal, Chairman. Um, the um, last committee meeting was on the um, 20th of June, where it uh, worked on and agreed um, a work programme for the coming year which will continue to be evolved. It looked at the um, local council tax um, support scheme, which no doubt the Cabinet will be considering in due course, and actually resolved to recommend to Cabinet that it approves the draft proposal set out in the report that we received. There was, there was one item um, <coughs> related to the local plan that I should mention. Uh, we were invited to commission for the third time the planning advisory service to provide an audit of the process that the council has been providing or been carrying out to, to prepare a local plan. Um, the, the committee didn't like the terms of reference that were put to it and in fact as things stand at the moment, um, was reluctant to take on board that um, commissioning activity this time round. Uh, however, no doubt there will be further discussions within the Council about how to proceed with that matter before it's needed later this year. That's all I have to report, Chairman. Thank you. And um, if it doesn't go through scrutiny, then obviously the Council as a whole will be uh, in discussion with the Planning Advisory Service, so that won't be, the, the, their wisdom will not be lost. Um, moving on to item six, I don't know if there's anything to say on the Refugee Working Group. Councillor Redfern? Um, nothing, uh, we haven't had a working group meeting, but um, I have been in discussion with um, Mrs Millership over this because we are having some issues with um, how the changes to benefits is affecting 
uh, refugees and our future offer. But I, I think I have said before I'll bring a proper report back here, but we kind of are working on it at the moment. So um, if I can just leave it at that for today. Thank you. Um, any comments on that? Then I'll move on to item 7, uh, which is the budget outturn for 2016-17. Councillor Howell. Thank you, Leader, uh, Councillors, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, first of four papers that I have to give you tonight. Um, this one deals with the, the budget outturn for 2016-17. Um, I'll draw your attention to the, uh, to the recommendation, uh, which is the Cabinet uh, approved the 2016-17 outturn position as set out in the report, approved the reserve transfers and the reserve balances set out in the report, and also approved the uh, capital programme slippage requests. Um, this is the, the final quarter, so brings to an end the, uh, the results for the, for the year ended 31st of March 17. Um, and I bring, bring a routine quarterly report to Cabinet um, as the year progresses. Um, I'm pleased to note that there has been an, an underspend, a variable, a favourable variance uh, at the end of the year. And I'd, I'd like to start off by congratulating the management team at the Council for the hard work. There's, they're very disciplined in their approach to cost control. Uh, it makes my job as Cabinet member responsible for finance a great deal easier to be able to report an underspend rather than an overspend. We're on the right side of the equation, if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm, I'm delighted because inevitably there are high degrees and areas of unpredictability within the service areas that we deliver. There are a number of areas that lie outside of our control. Um, so it is, it is important that we maintain those disciplines. I'd also obviously like to thank Mr Webb uh, and Mrs Knight and the finance team for their hard work in preparing this report and the work they do month by month, quarter by quarter. Um, I'll talk through, if you don't mind, the, uh, the overview which is set out under one at the top of the report. Uh, under the general fund there is a net favourable variance of £691,000 after allowing for planned transfers to earmarked reserves. The housing revenue account had an in-year surplus of £272,000 and the capital programme we undertook expenditure of £9,478,000 which is £9,159,000 below the current budget but after allowing for various slippages of £9,717,000 there was a net overspend of just over half a million pounds. Um, there's quite a lot of detail within the report. I'm, I always take it that you have read the reports before they come to Cabinet. Um, but I would draw your attention to item 12 um, on page 9, if you have a paper document, which itemises in some detail the variances, uh, both under, against, against budget and then in the final outturn and the variance <coughs> against budget. And then within 14 and 15, there's a breakdown of the variances as by, by line, effectively by uh, area. Um, now, there are certain areas outside the Council's control, and those are set out in 14. And the overspends and underspends, which you might believe or feel are within the Council's control, are set out in 15. Um, I'd also draw your attention to... Uh, item 16 on the paper, which is a, quite a useful pay, a, a table setting out the movements in the outturn from the previous period, which was period 9. Um, now, 
I think also I'd want to draw your attention to 18, which is the reserves position, um, noting that each of the reserves, um, and we've had this discussion at Cabinet in the past, we maintain reserves, but we identify areas of of potential risk of challenge within the organisation's budget and have appropriate reserves against those. Uh, the, the other area outside of that is the Strategic Initiative Fund, uh, which is now standing at, a, at, at nearly £7.5 million. But the other items are clearly earmarked against uh, specific items. Um, what I'd also draw your attention to are the contents of the Housing Revenue Account uh, as set out on 19 uh, and through to 23 and the capital programme set out on 24 through to 28 and then there's also a report on the section 106 balances uh, and the detailed breakdown is set out within the appendices so I'm happy to take questions. Um, I ought perhaps also to mention that the final, the final accounts will be uh, submitted to the Governance Audit and Performance Committee for approval on the 27th of July. Obviously all these figures are subject to external audit um, and we're expecting to have statements of accounts produced by the end of July which will be then brought back to the Cabinet on the 7th of September. Uh, Mrs Knight has read, passed me a note which I haven't had a chance to read yet so I'll quickly read that if there are any questions and, and, and speak to the contents if anything of interest is noted. Any Thank you. Questions any questions to this item? Councillor Lodge. Thank you Chair. Obviously the, the, the main item is the, the, the corporate items. I see that adds up to, well actually it's, uh, w without that it would, have been a, it would have been a loss. And I go down to the explanation of it on page 11 and basically I didn't understand it. Uh, it related to the capital financing but uh, could you have a bit more of an explanation of what that is? Um, this cross refers to points 24 to 28 within the paper, so the capital programme. Um, I may have to refer to Mrs Knight for the detail here within the capital programme, but there was a significant slippage within the year, but I'm not sure I, I, I can give you a detailed breakdown. Um, I'm not sure I also can give you, I'm not quite, I mean, it's a, it's a fairly general question you're asking. The variances are set out in 27, so the... Um, uh, there was a housing st a st strategy grant, um, £570,000 of expenditure, which was not budgeted in the year, but there's quite a detailed explanation here. I believe it was a grant from Harlow Council on behalf of Hasto Housing, but I'd have to, to take further guidance on the details of that. Um, but other than that, I think the other two items, a compulsory purchase order where there was an underspend uh, and the Mott and Bailey Castle in Saffron Maldon where there was a slight overspend as due to delays, I don't think are particularly material. Mrs Knight, do you want to say anything? Um, which bit didn't you specifically understand? I think he's referring is to the 930. Is, is it the first paragraph? The corporate item is related to the capital programme, but of course that the capital programme is a capital uh, programme, and, and this is then corporate variances in the revenue account, so I didn't quite understand how they interchanged. Oh, okay. Well, um, because we don't need to do any external borrowing, because we've got um, quite a lot of cash balances going through our account, because we're um, an administration authority for um, council tax and business rates, 
we're able to do internal borrowing. So within the internal borrowing, the, the cost of that is shown on the face of the general fund as a revenue expenditure. I and, think it's the £937,000 um, deficit, which, if it wasn't for that, we, we, we would... Sorry. Yeah. So, no, it's, it's a 937 surplus, which would have left us in deficit if it wasn't yeah. for what appears to be an exceptional item. And, 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 and the explanation for those um, is uh, under corporate variances. I think it was the understanding of that 660 and 264... Is that what you were looking for? Yeah, yeah so basically, I mean, um, the capital financing is an underspend because we've got a slippage in the capital programme, which is expenditure against the overall spend of the council. I mean, it all counts against how much we spend on, on an annual basis, and the capital financing is the cost of financing the capital programme. But within that 937, there's the slippage for the... Dunmo Depot, which I think I've, I've um, commented on in the capital programme variance explanation, and that is offset against um, a reduction in the drawdown in reserves. So it's, it's not 100%, but it is, you know, it offsets a, quite a bit of it. Right, so it's, it's basically down to, to, the, to the lack of requirement for borrowing in the current year. Sorry, what's that? It's, it's down to the lack of a requirement for borrowing yes. in the country. Yes. Yeah. So it's so it's as simple as that. Yeah. That just seems strange that you have, you have the, the, um, the, the capital mm. items and then part of that is, is treated in the revenue account. So my misunderstanding, but I think I've got it now. Is that okay? Is that yeah, clear? Okay. Good. Any other queries? Councillor Parker? I have a very minor query. On page, I'm not sure where, page 13, we refer to £38,000 of new homes bonus ward member. And on page 28, we refer to £38,000 worth of community grants. But if I look in the detailed portfolio for communities and partnerships, it shows an underspend or a shortfall in spending of 18000 So I can't see why, from the communities partnership breakdown, I've got a non-spend of 18000 Why, on page 38, sorry, on page 13, Paragraph 18, that table shows £38,000. I've got £38,000 at some point in grants being called new homes bonus. Then another bit, I've got it being called community projects and saying that we're going to advertise it better to get it all spent. So is it all the same or is it different? They're, they're two different amounts. The new homes bonus is the ward member grant carried forward because the criteria states you can carry that forward over a two-year period. So the 38,000 in the reserves is, is that carry forward of that. The grants is a separate amount. That's about the contingency grants in the community grant budget that is being carried forward as well. And they just both happen to be 38? Yes. Yes, Good. it was just coincidence. Thank you. Good. No other questions? Then... Uh, the recommendation uh, is that you are to approve the 2016-17 outturn position set out in the report, approve the reserve transfers and reserve balances set out in the report, and approve the capital programme slippage requests. Those in favour? Unanimous. Thank you. Uh, we now move on to item 8, which is still Councillor Howell, uh, the 16-17 Treasury Management outturn.
thank you, Leader, Councillors, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the recommendation is to approve the 2016-17 Treasury Management Outturn as set out in the report. Again, I'll assume that you have read the report, uh, but in summary, I'll draw your attention to the item set out under Note 4, which is that uh, no short-term or long-term borrowings was required to meet the Council's commitments in the year. Uh, there were no cash flow difficulties experienced in the year. Uh, and the Council continues to operate a cautious approach when lending money to counterparties. All deposits and investments are made in compliance with the Council's approved management strategy, and we, this is a, uh, has been prepared with the assistance of our independent Treasury consultants, Arling Close. Um, the governance around our Treasury management is, of course, uh, absolutely uh, crucial, and I'll draw your attention to the summary of that within the paper under 8, 9 and 10. Uh, which is that it's underpinned by SIPFA's Code of Practice on Treasury Management. Uh, the management strategy is approved by Council, um, and monitoring reports are, quarterly, uh, are submitted quarterly to Cabinet, uh, and we are, as I've said earlier, supported throughout our uh, Treasury Management activities by, by Arling Close. Um, the details of the, uh, the borrowings that we've undertaken and our balances are set out within the paper. Um, there's a good deal of narrative and detail within this, um, but you'll recall the Localism Act required us to make a one-off payment of £88,407,000 to the government in March 2012, um, and the detail of our repayment schedules is set out under 15. Um, the, uh, the loan was taken out on the basis that uh, we only paid interest for the first five years. We paid interest during the year of £2.627 million. Pounds. And, and I will note that this is the final year where there's no principal repayment. Um, the first tranche of repayments are next year um, with the payment on the 28th of March 28, 2018. And we've talked about a piece of work to be done to, to investigate whether this is the, the right and appropriate structure for our, for our loan repayment, and I hope to be able to bring back a report to Cabinet in due course on that. Um, I also set out in 20 uh, the uh, counterparty list uh, and the uh, credit rating, the cash limits and the time limits that we apply um, when we uh, undertake any form of Treasury management. Um, you'll recall that there have been some changes to our approach as a result of a review that we took, undertook of Treasury management uh, in December 2016. Um, what else do I think I need to tell you? Um, there's a very detailed breakdown of all the investments that we undertook in Appendix B um, as set out in, within the report, um, and I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Any questions for this item? Councillor Lodge. May I ask a question which is not, strictly speaking, totally uh, on, uh, relevant in that it's, it's on this subject but for the current year. I just wondered in, in view of the, uh, the Chesterfield investment how we were doing on Treasury management, what have we taken from our reserves and what the loans were just a rough order of magnitude would be maybe of interest to uh, the audience tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to give you an update on that. 
Um, I think I probably am going to refer to to Mrs Knight for the detail of that. You will recall that when we undertook the original investment, we uh, did so through a combination of our own resources, our internal borrowings, um, and that was something that we felt we could do for a short period of time, but we needed to formalise that. Um, I can confirm that the, 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 the loan um, that, that is proposed for CRP has now been taken out and is now in place, so there is a loan for the lifetime. But I'm going to refer to, to Mrs Knight, because I wasn't anticipating the question and I don't have all the information in front of me. Yeah, it's I'm not totally that, fair, I'm, I understand that. I'm hoping that, that Mrs Knight <laughs> may have better recall of the detail than me. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Initially, for the first few weeks, we did fund this from internal borrowing, so using our own cash balances. Um, Yes. Um, Because obviously, we normally normally invest that money, uh, you know, a low rate, 0.1%, 0.15%. Obviously, by loaning it to the company, we get higher interest rates, so it's more beneficial for the council. We've now secured the loan with um, an external borrower, external lender, um, and we're drawing that down in three tranches. So we're currently on the 5th of July, last Wednesday, drew down 10 million. In three years' time, we'll draw down another 12 million, and then on the fourth year, we'll draw down 15 million, giving the total of 37, 37 million because we decided not to borrow the 250. And the final 10 million will continue to be funded through internal borrowing. And should we find a need um, at future time? our cash balances won't substantiate that then we can go externally again or to PWLB so we have lots of options but it's very secure and we've got it at a good rate of interest Excellent, thank you very much Good, thank you Any other queries? Otherwise uh, draw your attention to the recommendation is that you are to approve the 2016-17 Treasury Management Outturn as set out in the report Those in favour? Thank you, unanimous. Um, moving on to item 9, is the 1819 Local Council Tax Support Scheme. Councillor Howell again. Uh, thank you very much, Lena. Um, can I start off by thanking Councillor Dean and the Scrutiny Committee for the work they did in reviewing uh, the Local Council Tax Support Scheme as proposed for 2018-19. It was an interesting debate and, uh, that they had, and I was pleased that they put forward a recommendation in support of our proposals. Um, this is an area which possibly has more scrutiny than almost any other area of our budget because we are required to consult every year on the design of the local government, sorry, the local council tax support scheme that we put in place. Um, so there is a substantial consultation that will take place during the course of the, of the summer on what is proposed for 1718. Um, I would draw your attention to paragraph 8, which, demonstra- which shows that um, since the scheme was first introduced in 2013-14, um, Uttlesford has maintained the lowest contribution rate that it asks working age recipients of council tax support to pay. Um, We are proposing to maintain the contribution rate at 12.5% for a further year, so making a fifth year in succession. And you note there the contribution rates that other councils across Essex ask their recipients, working age recipients, to pay. And you'll see that the rates vary um, from 20% up to 30% in contrast to our 12.5%. Um, The recommendation to Cabinet 
uh, is to review and agree the proposals um, that the 1819 Local Council Tax Support Scheme is set on the same basis as the 1718 scheme, that the Council continues to protect vulnerable and disabled residents and carers on a low income, um, and then the third element is that the discretionary subsidy grant for parish and town councils is withdrawn. And I will speak, if you don't mind, to that particular item. Uh, last year we reduced the grant to parish and town councils by 50%. Um, if you turn to paragraph 38 on page 46, you'll see the implications for parish and town councils' budgets um, for the, uh, as a result of the proposal to reduce the grant to zero. The background to this is that initially, when the government transferred responsibility for the design of local council tax support to local authorities, they put in place transitional funding through the revenue support grant. Uh, that has been withdrawn and is no longer in place. While it was in place, um, Uttlesford chose to pass on the cost and continue effectively to subsidise and make good any uh, costs that would have been incurred by parish and town councils. But with the withdrawal, with withdrawal of revenue support grant, that's not a position which we believe that we can continue to maintain. And so therefore it is proposed that in 1819 we would, we would reduce the grant to zero, the table under 38 sets out the costs in 1718. I'm not able to tell you what would be the equivalent cost for 1819 because I don't know um, one of the, 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 the local precepts and the number of electors and the like, uh, but that gives you an indication of the likely costs. Um, I also probably should draw your attention to the table under 10, which shows the number of working age recipients. You'll recall that pensionable age and vulnerable and disabled uh, recipients are protected under the government's proposals. When the scheme was introduced in 2013-14, there were 1,222 uh, recipients. That has reduced quite substantially, such that by 1617 the number had reduced to 785. So uh, a, a reduction over the life of this scheme so far of over a third. We also have to remind ourselves that this is, it is not the case that these are recipients who are in receipt of the benefit for month after month after month. It is designed uh, and, and operates as, effectively as a safety net. So if somebody has the misfortune uh, to be out of work and be eligible for this revenue, for this uh, benefit, they're able to, to claim it um, for the period of time where they're entitled to, to, to benefits. Um, the details of the costs to Uttlesford are set out in some detail under 11 to 15. Um, you'll note that we have very impressive collection rates of 95%. We also have a hardship fund in place. Um, uh, and I believe that it's appropriate for us as a council to maintain the current contribution rate at the current level uh, at, the time that, uh, at a time when we can afford still to do so. Um, were circumstances to change, we might wish to review that, but I believe that as an, as an organisation we should be doing what we, we can to support some of the most vulnerable in our community. Um, before the scheme is adopted, there's a process of scrutiny and review that's set out under the timetable under 45, um, so it will, it's already gone to scrutiny. Second stage is to go to Cabinet. We'll go out to consultation during August and September. 
before it comes back to scrutiny and I'm obviously hopeful that Councillor Dean and his, uh, his committee will continue to be sympathetic and supportive of the proposal before it comes back to Cabinet on the 30th of November and then is debated and, um, uh, by full council in December. So there's a very extensive period of consultation, debate and consideration before we adopt this. Uh, but it is my recommendation that we continue the contribution rate at 12.5%, frozen for a fifth year, that we continue to protect vulnerable and disabled residents and we reduce our subsidy grant to town and parish councils to zero. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Howell. Um, any comments? Councillor Dean, then Councillor Roadfern. I'd just like to add that uh, following our discussion on the local council tax support scheme at the scrutiny committee, we had um, a further presentation and discussion on consultation methods by the council which address both the LCTS consultation that Councillor Howell has just been referring to but also the budget consultation. Just a note that um, it's my understanding uh, and from the minutes of our meeting that there will be a change this year in that uh, both the consultation on the council's main budget as well as on the local council tax support scheme will be included in the um, September issue of Uttlesford Life so it will go out to everybody and I think that the budget is additional to what, was, what happened last year and uh, people will have the opportunity to return one or both forms on the two systems in a single prepaid envelope I'm, that's what the notes say so I think it's worth noting that change in consultation this year, which was good. Good. Thank you. Councillor Redfern and Councillor Lodge. Um, it's more of an observation, really. I was just surprised by the um, caseload. I, I appreciate that the working age has dropped, but the um, vulnerable and disabled has sort of gone up by almost the equivalent percentage, and I just wondered if we knew any reason for that. It was just how it is. Uh, it's not masses of people, it's about 150, but it's just quite an increase. Hi, Councillor Redfern, I, I'm not close enough to those details to know why, but I, I can comment on the working age numbers, which is the area that, that I probably have the most scrutiny of. We, we obviously live in an area with relatively high, very high by national standards, employment rates of employment, and we have very low rates of um, uh, unemployment within or within our community uh, and for that reason if for no other reason there's been a significant reduction certainly within working age recipients any thoughts on that Mrs Knight or? no I, the only comment I would like to make um, Chair, is that previous years we've reported the pensionable and the vulnerable and disabled together I think in previous proposal reports in previous years whereas I broke it out this time because I thought it, it gave that little bit more clarity on exactly yeah. what's happening so it might look worse this year because you haven't seen it broken down in that way before so hopefully it gives you a bit more information but we can look into that and see you know how that trend is going and, and, and the increase actually was all in the first year so it's, yes. it's stayed constant since then. Councillor Lodge. 
Thank you. Whilst we are the most uh, generous to our pairs, I wondered how we, we, we were relative in, in the treatment of the individual towns and parishes. Under, under point 35, I'm just wondering if I'm reading this the right way, Basildon and Brentwood, is that saying that, they, they, uh, that those districts fund it totally rather than passing it on to, uh, to the parishes, or is it the other way around? Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. There are two councils which continue effectively to subsidise their parish and town councils. I'm, I'm not particularly familiar with either Basildon and Brentwood. What I would note is that some of those councils on the list do not have the substantial number of parish and town councils in the same way that we do, um, which might be a reason why they have decreased or withdrawn the grant in full and did so much earlier. Than, than ourselves um, but I don't know, I'm not close enough to either Basildon or Brentwood, I believe that one of them is not dissimilar to us and does have parish councils uh, one of the reasons for doing this well in advance is that we can prepare our parish and town councils so they can budget effectively for this, they are precept raisers in their own right and they have the opportunity um, effectively it brings them in line with all of the other precept raisers whether it be ourselves county council fire authority or, or the police authority. Um, I've spoken to each of my four parish councils. I know between them there's about £750 um, and they understand that it is their responsibility and will be adjusting their budgets accordingly. It rather looks as though Malden is the only one who is as draconian as we are with the towns and parishes. Is, am I reading it correctly then? The, the revenue support grant reductions, I don't know what revenue support grant they get. Uh, what I know is that we don't get any revenue support grant. Um, we have, we, the revenue support grant has been declining year on year. When this was introduced in 13-14, there was an element of this revenue support grant which it was indicated that district councils should be handing over to parish and town councils to meet the cost. Um, that was in 13-14. There was no further guidance in subsequent years. We continued to fund it until 16-17 when we reduced it to 50%. We're proposing to reduce it to 50, a further 50% uh, in 17-18. I can't tell you what revenue support grant funding Castle Point has, but I can tell you that we have none. Yes, and, and I, pres I presume then that that will, it, it, is the, it is the statement of direction that all the RSG will go for anybody, for, for, for everybody. So it would appear that, um, in fact, Malden has already withdrawn, it, it's not relative to RSG, they're doing the same, they're the only one who are doing the same as others. Others are heading in the same direction as, as ourselves, so it looks just as though it's Basildon and Brentwood who are more supportive. Well, I can't comment on whether they're more supportive. I, they have chosen to allocate their funding. What I would say is that they ask their recipients to make a substantially greater contribution. So you might say that parish and town councils um, are being less generous, substantially less generous. It's okay. I think I, think I, I can understand and see that. It's not, it's not a major matter because I think it's going to be fairly relevant in the near future. Thank you. Okay, no other questions. The recommendation has been read out. Councillor Ranger has pointed out that unfortunately I, there is a, an error which I need to correct in the timetable for the consultation. 
picking up on the point made by Councillor Dean, which sets out the areas of consultation, it should make reference to the fact that it is going to go out in Uttlesford Life. It was agreed, uh, and the paper should reflect that. So apologies if I can clarify and confirm that Councillor Dean is correct. Okay. Uh, do I have a, I've got a proposal. Do I have a seconder for this, Councillor Redfern? Um, those in, you've had the recommendation. Those in favour? Unanimous. Whilst I'm getting seconders, could I have a seconder for item, agenda item 8, which was the Councillor Barker, and could I have a, a seconder for item 7, which was the actual outturn, Councillor Ranger. Thank you very much indeed. Moving on now to item uh, 10, which is business rates revaluation relief, which is um, Councillor Howell and Riles, but Riles has sent his apology. He is, um, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll try and keep this as brief. You'll recall that at the last Cabinet meeting uh, we had a uh, report on the uh, Government's uh, national revaluation of all commercial premises. As a consequence of that, a, a number of commercial uh, businesses across uh, the Council have re received subs fairly substantial new rateable values. Um, Councillor Redfern made the point also that a significant number of local businesses have also been taken out of rates entirely. Um, but we are very aware that, there, that a number of, uh, of businesses face um, fairly substantial increases in their business rates. On average, uh, an increase of 16% for most high street shops and premises within the district. And in anticipation of that and taking advantage of the guidance from government, we've looked to put in place uh, a, a programme of reliefs which allows us to help ease that, uh, that uh, increase in, in, in business rates. So the recommendation is that councillors re re requested to recommend to full council the approval of the revaluation relief funding scheme as detailed in the main body of the report. There's quite a lot of detail to this and I, and I won't go into it in substantial detail but the intention is to phase in the, uh, in the relief. Uh, the proposal is that the scheme will cover a period of three years with the allocations for 2020-21 uh, to be added to 1920. Um, the amounts available are set out in 12 on page 53 of the report. So, for example, in 2017-18, there's a total of £313,000 available to businesses. Um, it should be noted that national and large chain businesses will be excluded from the scheme as it's proposed. Um, the scheme is by application only and the release will be awarded on the following basis. In the first year there will effectively be a 50% relief on the business rates increase, not on the entire bill, just on the increase. In year two there will be a 25% relief and in year three a 12% relief. There will be a contingency plot, a pot held each year to cover any changes in businesses' valuations, uh, but the overall intention of doing this is to ensure that we support our local businesses, uh, that we respond to concerns raised by local businesses as to the uh, impact of substantial and, and unexpected increases in business rates, uh, and we do what we can to support a local and vibrant uh, business community. Councillor, thank you. Councillor Barker. Um, 
Having seen some of these increases in business rates, I, some are fairly substantial. I imagine that there may be some organisations which challenge their business rates revaluation. Um, how are we going to safeguard that if we give them a concession and something changes within the current year, that that can be adjusted? What a good question. Um, well, that was, I wasn't expecting that one. Um, I wonder whether Mrs Knight might be able to help me out on that one. Yes, of course. Um, basically, if they get a revaluation, we will get notified of their, their new, and we will rebuild them on that basis, and the rebilling would include um, clawback of any funding that they'd received that was obviously over and above what their new valuation would be because any valuation they get would be backdated to the beginning of the year so we would also backdate that relief funding and obviously come up with a completely new figure that would include the withdrawal of the funding. Lovely, thank you. Any Councillor Redfern? Um, I just would like to um, ask a question which I'm not expecting you to be able to answer but um, where it says here um, revaluation has resulted in the business rate bills charged on many businesses and companies in Uttlesford increasing significantly. I thought that actually it wasn't on most businesses, or are we saying most businesses have increased, the rateable value has increased, whether or not they're eligible to pay rates, in which case then it could be most, because my understanding was that actually, one for one, most businesses fell under the um, rate paying level. <laughs> Mrs Knight. Okay. There, um, there are some that have fallen under that, but some of them have received the central government transitional relief. So that has obviously had an impact against their original valuation, but obviously when you look at it as valuations overall, you would take the original valuation because the relief they've got is only transitional and it depends on so many different factors about where they fall within that. But there is still quite a significant amount out of our um, business database that have had significant increases. Sorry, I, I appreciate that there are a lot that have had, there are many businesses that have had, have had a significant increase, and I think this is a really good way of dealing with it. But I just, I, I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that there are an awful lot of businesses that don't pay any rates at all, and I, I think that's an important thing to sort of get out there that yes, some businesses have had an increase, but there's an awful lot of businesses that have benefited from the change to the rateable value, but well, the, the level that they get no rates from. Can I suggest that when I bring this report to full council, I pick up on this point, Councillor Redfern, because you're absolutely right. There are now a substantial number of local businesses that pay no business rates as a result of a nil banding for anything up to £15,000. And, and so I probably need to come back and report with a, how many businesses are there in Attlesford, how many businesses now pay no business rates, how, how many businesses will be benefit from the revaluation relief and the other forms of relief that are available. And then unfortunately there are a smaller number um, that are, exceed £250,000, I think it is, who fall outside of all of the things that we're proposing. Yeah, I think that would be helpful because I think councillors will want to know the impact on businesses in Uttlesford. And it's quite difficult to... You know, some, the, first of all, there's a central government scheme, then there's the scheme that you've just um, indicated. Um, and so um, many, many businesses ha have 
well, there will be an increase, but it, 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 in the first year it, it won't be uh, 100%. In fact, it will be 50% of the increase. But it, councillors would like to know, so are there some businesses that have got no relief at all? And what's the impact? And what, what sort of businesses? How many of them, etc.? So I think that would be good. Okay, any other queries? You, the uh, recommendation has been read out to you. Do I have a seconder, please? Uh, Councillor Barker. Um, those in favour? Unanimously, thank you. Right, Councillor Barker, Local Heritage List of Non-Designated Heritage Assets. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, Chairman, this evening we have a proposal to consider creating a local heritage list. Uh, the MPPF suggests that this is something councils should consider, and many have already done so. A local heritage list is separate from the schedule of listed buildings. It seeks to identify a building or a structure that is seen as special. An asset being on the list will ensure that the asset is not unduly harmed by planning or other matters. Being on the list will not preclude the development of the asset or remove permitted development rights unless the asset is also covered by Article 4 direction. The asset could be, but does not need to be, within a conservation area. It could be a bridge, a monument, a house, a religious building, or where we are tonight. The suggestion is that, subject to agreement tonight, parish councils and other interested organisations, such as the Damo or the Thatcher Society, are contacted and asked for nominations. In order to be considered for nomination, the asset must fulfil at least two of the criteria, which are set out in full in your papers, but in brief they are rarity, aesthetic value, group value, archaeological value, historical association, landmark status, and social and communal value. The nominations will be consulted on before coming back to Cabinet for ratification. It's proposed that the list will be reviewed on a regular basis with the opportunity for proposals for new nominations or for removal from the list. The recommendation, therefore, is that the proposed selection criteria and methodology are approved for publication along with the nomination form which will be made available by the Council's website and that proactive work to compile and manage the local heritage list is endorsed. And I so propose. Thank you very much indeed. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Ranger. Any comments? Here's the first uh, excellent idea. Councillor Redfern. Um, sorry, I did have a read of this earlier today, but I just want to understand what, what protection does this does this give? Is it just a list of things that we want listed or, or is it listed for a reason to, for us to take into consideration when it comes to planning or anything? I couldn't see that it does but I just wondered what the, what the reasoning for it I th I think well, it's, it's considered good guidance uh, but the idea is yes it, you've got this iconic building sitting here and that actually do we want a block of flats next door to it or do we want um, you know, is there a village pump that's not worthy of listing but actually is very important to the village? You know, or the old lock-up police station that you know, never got listed, got missed out in the listing because we don't tend to list new buildings. You know, listed buildings were introduced in the very whatever and they are on a sort of a national schedule. But this is for those things that communities think are very important. You know, there are some which could be listed both, if you like, in this list. They could also go on the assets of community value because you know it's a pub that somebody doesn't want to see as the last pub in the village which is what we've got or go as the last pub in the village which is what we've got on the future item but also as the structure itself is of merit or rarity or you know you could have an old well or a pump or a something that is very important 
Roman the, fort. Roman fort, yeah, Roman <laughs> fort. As long as it's above ground, preferably. Um, but, but yes, I think it is something that is important to the community, or perhaps within a conservation area, it, it, it sort of is part of a grouping that if it disappeared or radically changed or whatever, would make a difference. So I think it's, it's for us to see what comes forward from the community and then we could consider whether we, we think that's appropriate or whether it's a worthwhile job to do. Um, I haven't actually yet clarified um, if it were your house that was put forward, I haven't actually clarified whether you could object to that or not. So that's something we need to, to look at before we actually ratify a list as it comes forward. Councillor Howell. Um, can I say what an excellent idea I think this is? Um, I recognise that the register of listed properties is a very valuable um, tool that, that helps protect the, the richness and diversity of, of, of our villages and, and towns and the communities where we live. But this is a way, in my mind, of, of reinforcing this, and it's something that is more than just listing listed properties. Um, and if it helps us to value the rich cultural heritage that we have in this area, perhaps more in this area than almost any other area in the southeast, then I think it's something that we should support. I hope that it's taken on board and supported by parish councils and local conservation groups, um, because I believe that it will be a valuable tool in demonstrating what is important to preserve within our community. Good, thank you. There are no other um, comments, so the recommendation has been read out. Do I have a seconder for that? Councillor Redfern. Those in favour? I um, beg your pardon, you did, you're right. Councillor Ranger has already seconded, I apologise. Those in favour, carried unanimously, thank you. Item 12, the opposite end of the spectrum, buildings at risk. Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, this is a shorter list or will be a shorter list. Um, there are two lists here. Um, firstly, our, this is an update on the listed and the heritage assets in the district which are at risk. There are two lists. Firstly, our, our listed buildings at risks. This is where our officers work proactively with owners of listed buildings at risk to preserve these buildings. And since I last reported to Cabinet, six buildings have been removed from the list and seven added. The details of all these buildings and what's required to keep them safe is in the pack. And the buildings range from a small semi-detached house to very large barns. Um, in discussion with my cabinet colleagues, I think we are all quite keen that we become even more proactive on actually getting some of these things mended. They've been on a list for a long time and we really do need to work with owners to see if we can bring some back to a whatever. If you have a very large barn and perhaps you can't afford to do it up or you can't afford to spend the money on it, then maybe there is somebody else out there who can and would love to turn it into a new home or facility. But we do need to move on on this. And I hope later in the year to bring you back a, a plan that sets out how we'll do that. The second list that we have is the Heritage at Risk list, which is held by Historic England. Four buildings have been removed from the list and two new ones added. Um, Tilty Mill Tilty and Berries Hill in Castle Street in Saffron Walden. I'm delighted to tell you that because of the amount of work that Uttlesford has carried out on, on the castle, that Berry Hill has, as of this afternoon, been removed from that list. So it's just the addition of Tilty Mill, and officers are bringing a further report forwards on that to a future meeting. 
So, Chairman, the recommendation is that the updated report is published and the proactive works working alongside owners to restore buildings and bring them back into use is endorsed. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you very much. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Ranger. <coughs> Comments? Councillor Dean. Thank you, Chairman. This is, a, is an important report. I notice on page 72 it says that the old forge at 35 Cambridge Road, which is in my ward, has been taken off the list, so that's an achievement. Um, but purely by coincidence, and I was not discussing Cabinet um, agendas when I was chatting with a group of people this afternoon over tea, um, but somebody said, what's the Council going to do about the three colts? also on Cambridge Road in Stansted. I had the pleasure of telling them that last week it received planning permission, and so with a bit of luck, within months, this will go off the list because it will have been restored, or the present building would have been <laughs> restored as part of a wider, um, a wider development, and uh, I'll be very pleased when that happens, as well as anybody who travels or has been travelling through Stansted for the last 12-plus years. So um, keep the work up. And, and I, I agree with, I think it was Councillor Barker who said that we should be more proactive, not just have a list that you look at every six months, but push things to be achieved and to be done to put them right. Thank you. Councillor Howell. C can I echo these comments? I know that the report was last brought back to us in 2015, and I, I'm delighted to see that a number of properties that have deemed to have been at risk have been removed. It's as a consequence, I think, of partly because of the owners' um, in own intentions, but it is, a, it is a, perhaps a consequence of us engaging with them. And I see that we have a, an important role to play, engaging with the owners of properties on this list to ensure that they recognise their responsibilities and duties. I think we, this generation, perhaps has a far greater awareness than past generations as, as how fragile our heritage is and that how many properties there are at risk and I think that we should look to make, take a more proactive uh, role um, as a council in ensuring that some of the properties on this list are taken off it in due course and, and I, I would like to point out that as an organisation uh, we have worked very hard over the last five years over the council working with um, Heritage England and echoing the comments made by Councillor Barker, we've spent over £650,000 uh, on the restoration of the castle. The walls have been secured through four phases of investment. The final phase of investment of the, car of the castle in Saffron Malden is due to start early next year, which will complete that programme of work. Um, we don't often debate it at this organisation, at, at this meeting, but I, I think we have done our bit over the last five years to, to bring a much neglected piece of our heritage into, into a safer place. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Ruffin. Um, I've got a few points to make, if I may, and I'm turning into Councillor Barker because on page 119 there's a spelling mistake. It says Wedden Zambo, and obviously it's Wendon Zambo. So if we could just correct that, please. Um, and then there's one or two other properties, such as Pendine High Street, Newport, which is on page 99. Um, Craig, our empty homes officer, has been working 
it's so hard to get action on this property and I can tell you that um, Sorders have now put a planning application, I believe the planning application is now in for the work to be carried out on this property so hopefully that will be another one that gets removed. On page 81 we've got the barn at the Red Cow Inn at um, Crucial and Simon Jackson has um, worked with the owners um, and secured a grant for that as well so um, hopefully the work on that will start um, shortly as well so that will be another one um, to remove from the list and, um, and it is to the credit of those two particular officers that the amount of work they put in to get those two across the line. Um, <clears throat> and um, I see that in the second part of the document, the buildings at risk on the um, Historic England register, there is our Roman fort at uh, Chesterford and the Celtic temple at Chesterford. I'd just like to note that I also think they're under threat from this council. Thank you for those comments. We'll get the correction to the spelling. Good, thank you. If there are no other comments, you've had the recommendation, you've had a um, proposed for a seconder. Those in favour? Unanimous, thank you. 13A, two items um, coming up, A and B, assets of community value. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. This evening we are being asked to decide whether to list the Crown Public House in Elsenham as an asset of community value. The proposal has come from the Parish Council then, and their application form is included in the pack. We need to judge the application against the criteria, which are that an asset is of community value if, in the opinion of the local authority, either an actual current use of the building or other land that is not an ancillary use furthers the social well-being or interests of the local community, and it is realistic to think that there continue to be non-ancillary use of the building or other land which will further, whether or not in the same way, the social well-being or social interests of the community or that there is a time in the recent past where an actual use of the building or other land that was not an ancillary use further the social well-being or interest of the local community, and it is realistic to think there is a time in the next five years where there could be non-ancillary use of the building or other land that would further, whether or not in the same way as before, the social well-being or social interests of the local community. Chairman, the Crown is the only public house in Elsenham, and the Parish Council's application seeks to ensure that should the public house cease trading, there would be an opportunity for the community to come together to purchase and run it as a public community and their application sets out the way that they think that could be done. My chairman, I have no reason to believe that the Crown should not continue in its current state, I may say. I think this is just a, a marker that the community is putting down. We have many pubs across England and Wales that close every year. Um, and I think parishes are very keen, towns are very keen to hang on to their pubs. Chairman, I believe this to be a valid nomination. I see no reason that we should not list this as an asset of community value. Thank you. Do I have a seconder for this? Councillor Ranger, thank you. <coughs> we are Any being asked to decide, Chairman. There is no recommendation. Well, whether to include uh, yes. on, on, the, on, the, on the list, so it is a decision. So those in favour of including it on the, the list, carried unanimously. Thank you. Um, 13B is the Black Lion at High Roading. Just proposed there, Chair, because the, um, I understand the paperwork wasn't in order for this meeting, but it needs to be done that we set up a subgroup of myself, yourself and Councillor Ranger to consider that application. Is the rest of Cabinet content with that? 
That will be done. Moving on to item 14, Councillor Ranger, Carver Barracks Running Track. Chairman, I will be leaving the room for the next two items. Okay, we'll come and collect you in due course. Thank you, Chairman, uh, Leader. Um, this uh, proposal for a running track at Carver Barracks has been in the system for some years. <coughs> the Army had some problems uh, agreeing the way forward, and that was further complicated by the uh, MOD's announcement that the barracks would be uh, programmed for closure in 2031. Um, however, the, the, the Army have sorted out the finances of the situation, and we have been uh, sitting down with them and negotiating the way forward. And there are a, a variation to the funding arrangement that was previously agreed by the Council. Um, in the light of the closure um, being effected, um, there would be a rebate on the money that we're being asked to grant to the Army um, on a strictly year, yearly uh, pro rata basis. Um, so if the uh, barracks close a year early, we would get uh, £35,000 for that year as a rebate. Uh, the project does have planning consent that was given by this council some while ago and we understand that uh, once we are able to confirm the, the way forward with our grant that the works party will be uh, up and running ready to complete the track. Uh, there are several local clubs that use it and it's the intention for this council to move forward with the army and ensure that uh, we get uh, as much community use as we can at the most preferential rates that we can achieve and for a wider number of clubs and community events as possible. So the recommendation, Chairman, is that we make a grant of the £500,000 to match the Army's funding, which has enabled them to release a further sum of £190,000 um, for further works around the, the project. So the recommendation, Chairman, I'm just searching for it, is uh, paragraph two, recommended we resolve to make the payment subject to endorsement by full council. Uh, the sum of half a million pounds is given as a grant, but the terms are set out in the report. And the delegation is given to the Director of Finance and Corporate Services and the Head of Legal in conjunction with the Portfolio Holder for Communities and Partnership to agree the terms of the grant. I so move. Thank you very much. And if under the point three of um, the second paragraph we could just add councillors Artisan Knight because they have been involved with this project throughout and I think it's right that they are part of that discussion with yourself. Um, uh, Councillor Ranger, um, it, it, as um, A as the link with the Army Covenant in the case of Councillor Artis and B as the local member and also the link with Carver Barracks in the case of Councillor Knight. Um, okay, let me open this up. Do I have a seconder? Seconded, Councillor Howell, and you'd like to speak. Okay. Um, I think it's important that we as a council um, invest when we have the opportunity to 
in facilities that we believe will be well used and are valuable and are of value to the community. I think from the report there's clear evidence of demand for something like this. Um, we have a, an extremely good working relationship with the, uh, with the barracks and with the army. I understand that as many as 6,000 civilians already use the facilities um, at the barracks for sport and recreational purposes. Um, if there is a concern about the um, proposed or mooted closure of the barracks in 2031, I think the proposal seeks to address that risk by way of the rebate. So for me, I think that it will be a well-used facility. It's a, an important valuable resource which will be valued by, um, by those who take exercise, unlike me. But I think it's an important part of the Council's health and well-being agenda as well. So I hope that it does get the support of Council. Thank you. Councillor Lodge. Thank you. A few points, particularly it's largely on the, um, the, the heads of terms. Firstly, I'm incredibly unhappy about, about the, uh, the termination to be, to, to be given at, at any reason for any time. I think that's a pretty unreasonable uh, request. And it, it, in many ways, we ought to be looking for a better than straight line recompense because at any stage, even after one year, we can find ourselves with it without a running track and other sports associations that have, that have planned forward for their, for their recreation will, will be really put, put at a loss. So I, I would personally like to see them go, go back and, and have a look at that. Um, with regard then, and it's in the first part on the property, access to the property via the public highway. This is a problem for existing users in that access is, is extremely difficult in that you have to post a member of the organisation to open the door and allow people in, often then close it whilst the facility is being used and then open it again and monitor it as people go out. So I wonder if there have been any... Um, negotiations on how that could be improved because I know it's going to get more it will get more use but that really needs to be looked at it when we get to the operational side and then just something that Councillor Ranger said which I think was about about the charging of the facility so are you foreseeing that certain sporting clubs will use that facility with a parent presumably there will be a payment, clubs would expect that. Does that then come to Ottersford, as there are people and they are working out, or is that shared with the army? How are those fees going to work? Thank you. Councillor Ranger. Yes, thank you, uh, Councillor Lodge. Um, the reasons for closure could well be national security. So, as it's the MOD, yeah, as it's the MOD, I think we'd be hard-pushed to... Um, be able to dictate whether that reason is to our detriment uh, or not. I, 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 but we will certainly look at all of these points. Access to the gate, the access being gated, and that yes, that's um, something that could, in fact, put people off using it. So um, that's something that again will be on the list for, for talking about. Uh, we don't currently get a share of the um, the fees that are paid for the use that's made at the moment. Um, so again, that's another point that we'll, we'll put on the table to see 
as we're funding if, it. If indeed we chose to, uh, to uh, set fees. Um, but as uh, Councillor Lodge says, this is not unexpected by sports clubs. Uh, I should just point out this is in a different area of the barracks from the current mugger. Uh, so it is, it's in a more accessible area of the barracks, um, just, just off the road. But the, the point nevertheless will be, will be followed up. And I am speaking about that exact area the football clubs and the rugby clubs have that access problem at the moment yeah, yeah. okay thank you any other questions okay um, I've had a seconder uh, the recommendation has been read out it will go to full council um, because we said it would it could be actually decided here but we said it would go to full council um, I'm very supportive of this I totally take the point about um, uh, ready access um, and some of the, uh, the detail as raised but in terms of sporting facilities um, there were hopes for other facilities in, um, in Saffron Walden uh, which uh, may not happen so uh, it's important that we continue to improve our facilities um, and this is an opportunity which we should take so um, those in favour unanimously thank you very much indeed item 15 section 106 community pot Stansted Councillor Ranger the item that Mr Woodcock spoke about Yes, thank you, Leader. Um, this item arises at a request from Stansted Parish Council um, for alleviating a problem that uh, has arisen on the development on the council-owned land at Crafton Green. <coughs> uh, the, the project for the community hub was granted uh, planning permission by this council, and once work started, um, a third party owner with um, easements on the land came out of the woodwork, I guess, and um, the result of all of the discussions is that work had to stop and a sum has been agreed to um, release the easements so that work can continue and be completed. Uh, it was pointed out to us earlier on that there is an ongoing cost on the contract as we speak. Uh, the sum requested is £200,000. Um, that is going to be um, taken from the Stansted uh, community pot which arose from 106 payments from the Forest Hall Park development. Uh, standard sort of procedure. Um, there would only be a small sum, or small, a smaller sum of £52,000 um, left in the pot. Um, however, the Parish Council have undertaken to replenish the pot um, and they have a programme in place and they have written to us today to say that um, they reckon that 50% of that um, replenishment can happen within the next 18 months um, and they have plans to bring that uh, completion of that replenishment forward as soon as possible. If any f uh, future um, project comes forward within the Forest Hall Park area requiring funding, the, council, the Parish Council are prepared to seek ways of arriving at the necessary funding. So the, re the recommendation, Chairman, is to 
uh, subject to the agreement of the developers, uh, the sum of £200,000 be allocated to Stansted Parish Council to fund the release of all reserved rights held by a third party over all the Parish Council owned land at Crafton Green. The allocation of, I think it's, there's a corrective figure, I've got, I think the figure is £52,290 for the skate park is removed, that's been financed from elsewhere, and that money added back into the available pot. Thank you. Thank you. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Howell. Councillor Dean. Thank you, Chairman. When, um, when this um, proposal first, or request, first came forward, I was concerned, um, and, and that's because to put this into context, the community fund uh, has accumulated uh, over roughly the last 10 years about uh, £1.4 million. In other words, the, you know, the people living on Forest Hall Park through their developers of um, put £1.4 million into that pot. If, if this £200,000 goes out, there, there, there's actually a correction. I, I've checked it with the officers. There will only be £41,000 left and not, not just over fifty. but that's a, that's a minor, minor correction. My main concern, um, and we got into discussion about this at the um, Parish Council on Tuesday last week, was that uh, of the £1.4 million as of today, only just over £7,000 has been spent on projects on Forest Hall Park itself. The rest of it has been spent 600000 on on the, project, the subject um, um, project, uh, a, a significant chunk in Birchhanger and various play equipment in Stansted. So, so we, had, we started off with £1.4 million and as of today only £7,000 has been spent directly for the residents of, of Forest Hall Park and that doesn't look right to me. So I, we got into discussion with the Parish Council and I'm delighted that they have agreed that they will essentially create a, a replacement pot of money for projects that should be, or that money should therefore be available to carry out initiatives on Forest Hall Park. There has been a list of projects around for several years uh, and none of which has yet been progressed and I think it's important that that, that does happen and there, there has been a, I'm expecting there to be an agreement that jointly between district members and the parish council will attempt to progress that <laughs> so that uh, the, the new um, pot w which I guess is just under a quarter of a million pounds uh, would, would be used for its original purpose I, I mean just to clarify it wasn't designed solely to be used on Forest Hall Park, it's the general community and uh, the Crafton Green project clearly is meant to serve the wider community and not just old Stansted, if I can call it that. Um, so, you know, I would, if I can just ask that the, the minute not only reflects the agreement to disperse the £200,000, but it, it captures the agreement that the Parish Council has put to you that they will, in, in effect, replace the money by other means in due course uh, for, for its part of its original purpose, which is to carry out projects on Forest Hall Park, then I think, I, I, well, I, I don't think I, I will support or will back your agreement to the request. Thank you. Good, thank you. We've had that in writing that they will do that, so we can add that to the minutes. Councillor Redfern. Um, I 
I read when I read this, I was a, I was a little bit taken aback, really, because um, I'm a bit shocked that they got as far through this process before realising that there was a third party that had some uh, reserved rights on this. And I'm assuming it's because they owned the land that they didn't have to then do any sort of searches on it. Um, and I think it's a real shame for that. Um, community and as um, Councillor Dean has just said about the amount of money that has been spent on Forest Hall Park that's also a bit disturbing um, <clears throat> so I think this is, it's, it's quite a difficult one but at the end of the day it is the community's money and if that's what they want to release it for then I guess it's not up to us to stand in the way but I agree with um, Councillor Dean that I do think there should be some agreement that more of this money is actually spent on Forest Hall Park rather than the wider community but as I say, I think it is. I am really. I was really quite taken aback by the amount of money that's um, going to be paid to a third party, because you know maybe this could have been. Well, it's, I suppose it's easy in hindsight, but maybe this could have been avoided. Um, but then parish councils are volunteers, so can't really give them hard time. Yeah, I'm not sure it could have been avoided because an easement right's an easement right, but um, certainly the delay in the process, perhaps. But um, Councillor Ranger. Um, I don't know the terms of the contract that the Parish Council entered into with the contractor, but when we had a similar um, cause of concern at one of our own developments, because the liability was with the contractor, it didn't cost the council anything. I'm talking about asbestos in the ground and, and sewers at um, Mead Court. No, no, but I'm saying the terms of the contract, if the, there are contracts around that could cover these eventualities. Yeah, this is an easement right, so it is slightly different. Yeah, no, well, the, the, the developer on the design and build, he would have done perhaps more thorough research because he would have had to have taken due diligence on his bid. So, Any other points? You've had the recommendation as read out. Uh, we had a seconder. Yep. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you. So, item 16 is the appointment of non-executive directors to a SPA CRP. Um, and um, Councillor Howell will talk to that item. Councillor Barker returns, having missed the last two items due to a conflict of interest. Um, the proposal is to appoint two non-executive directors to the board of Aspire CRP Limited, and you'll recall that um, when we set up Aspire CRP Limited, it was felt quite rightly that we should look to underpin and strengthen the governance and the operation of the, the board of, of Aspire CRP um, to support, help, uh, and assist the three executive directors of, of Aspire that are Adrian Webb, Nicola Whitman. And, and Richard Orty, and we should be looking for somebody or two individuals who could be uh, add value, independent, um, assist and guide, and overall strengthen the decision making process. And so we uh, invited applications for the role. Um, we had a very strong list of applications. In total, we had 38 individuals who put their names forward. Four of those were taken forward for interview. I have to say that, that I participated in, in the interviewing of all four candidates shortlisted, and I was extremely impressed by the calibre, not only of all of the applicants, but of those four in particular. Um, 
uh, I think the, the, uh, the response was very strong and, and I take some comfort from the fact that there's a clear indication to me that of a willingness from members of the public to participate and engage in the community. So I was delighted at the, the calibre of individuals who put themselves forward. Um, the recommendation is to appoint uh, two individuals, Mary Archer and Alan Jones, as non-executive directors. Both are local. Both have very extensive uh, and um, very successful and varied business careers. Mary Archer worked with the probation service in Essex for 30 years and was for 14 years the chief executive of Essex probation. Um, she straddles both the public sector and the private sector as during towards the end of her term as chief executive um, she led the transition um, of the Essex probation service to Sodexo justice services. Um, so she has very, very valuable experience both of the public sector and the private sector, which I thought was, was a, would be a considerable contribution to Aspire CRP. And for her services, she was awarded an OBE in 2010. Um, Alan Jones, again, a local individual, has held a very uh, long, extensive and varied business career would bring to the role substantial business experience. He also has, as does Mary Archer, considerable experience of being a non-executive director already. Um, in his case, he has served as a non-executive director of a number of companies. He's a board member and trustee of the Chartered Institute of Logistics and Transport, as well as a member of the Institute's uh, foundation. Um, and, and both, I think, bring with them a, uh, a, a good deal of relevant business experience um, and, will be, and will bring real value to the deliberations and workings of, of the Board of Aspire. So I therefore make the recommendation uh, that Mary Archer and Alan Jones are appointed as non-executive directors to the Board of Aspire CRP Limited. Thank you. Do I have a seconder for that? Councillor Redfern. Councillor Barker. Is this for a fixed term or is it open-ended? The, the contracts are for one year. I've just said that and I'm just trying to remind myself whether that was the right answer. It is for a it's a rolling contract, I beg your pardon, yeah, it is for a rolling contract uh, and it is terminated, or I'm really sorry, I should remember this because I remember explaining it to Alan Jones, um, we would be liable for a four-month period, I think, under the terms, but I can come back to you with clarification on this, but we're not locked in for any long period of time. I don't see any other hands, so... Those in favour of those two appointments? Carried unanimously, thank you. Um, item uh, 18, uh, sorry, 17 is uh, any other items, which there aren't any that I consider to be urgent. I item 18 is to consideration of an item containing exempt information within the meaning of Para 3 of Schedule 12A of the Local Government Act 1972, means that we have to uh, exclude the public and press and go into Part 2. Councillor Ranger. I propose that we move into Part 2 for this item, Chairman. Thank you. Do I have a seconder for that? Councillor Redfern.